What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Ladies Let's Talk About Sex podcast. I'm your host, Felicia, and I'm a lady talking about sex. This week, we have a really interesting episode talking about sex ed in elementary school. Um, And we have the lovely Tess with us. Tess, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, Felicia, and thank you for having me. I'm, uh, I'm Tess. I'm a sexual health educator in British Columbia. And um, I run a program that's called the Estes. So I do sexual health education in elementary school, but not only. I also work with high school, with parents, with educators. Um, so with a bit of everyone. That's amazing. And what is your educational background? Like, how did you get into this work? Um, if somebody wants to end up like you, where do they go? How do they start? Uh, it's a great question. So I, um, I did my master in gender studies. Uh, I've always been interested in like sexual health and reproductive rights. Um, and when I moved here in British Columbia, I also completed my training as a sexual health educator with an organization here that's called Option for Sexual Health that has a sexual health educator certification training. Uh, which is basically like similar to the Planned Parenthood organization, like in Toronto, or like the affiliated ones in Canada. Amazing. So to give people kind of like a background of what you do, particularly in the elementary school context, what type of workshops do you run and how do you present sex in an age appropriate way for young people? Uh, so I think that's the reason I'm trying to like stay away from saying sexual health education because sometimes it kind of like freaks people out when you say sex and kids. <laughs> um, and there's a few educators here that do like a great job and they've been like phrasing it as body science, which I really like because you talk about your body and like how your body works. Um, so usually when I present it to teacher, to schools, to parents, we're not really talking about sexual health, but rather like, how does my body work? Like, what does my body look like? What are the good scientific names for my body? Um, what are the good boundaries? What are the things that are appropriate and appropriate to do um, or to say? So that's more about, yeah, understanding our bodies and everyone else's. So how did you come up with these programs? Because I know a lot of people, I know myself, I didn't get any sex ed in high school. So to think about integrating this at a younger age, even, it just sounds like mystical to me. I'm like, is that real? Because I want to be there. But how did you create these programs? And like, how did you start facilitating them? How was like the first year running it? Um, so like, I didn't really invent anything. Uh, as I said, like, there's many sexual health educator, especially around here, but I think around Canada as well, doing incredible work, working with um, younger kids and with parents of younger kids. So here in British Columbia, actually in the Ministry of Education has implemented for each year um, competences and knowledge that you have to acquire for each grade, right? So in kindergarten, grade, first grade, second grade, you need to learn about the proper and scientific name for all of your body parts, including intimate body parts. You need to understand um, what consent is, what is inappropriate, what's appropriate, how to find appropriate to good information, um, health information, information about your body. So you go from there. Um, 
as I said, I did the sexual health education training. So that was part of the training that I did as well, like understanding what is age appropriate, how to talk about each topic um, from grade four to grade six. And further, we talk a lot about puberty, like how is my body now and how is it going to change? And basically reassuring a lot of the kids that everything that's going to happen to the body is normal and it's to be expected. That's awesome. Yeah, it just it sounds um I don't know, it just doesn't sound real because it's that's not at all kind of like the competencies that I was taught as a young person. Um so because it's integrated into the elementary school program, is there a specific like reasoning as to why teachers shouldn't be teaching this portion and why like external educators should be or is it just like there's still a gap and we're still only getting this education in certain schools and not all of them. I think there is still a gap. So it's a recommendation, right? So it's mm-hmm. part of the list. Um, I think some teacher do it and just feel comfortable doing it. Some teacher are less comfortable doing it. Um, I think something that's very particular, I work in French speaking schools, but I'm sure that's it's a problem in other schools as well. But I think especially for French speaking school here, we have teachers come from all over, from all over Canada, from all around the Francophone world. So they have background, different background. What it means to be an ele- elementary teacher or um, a health teacher in high school, you've learned different things while doing your training. So they don't come with all the same set of knowledge and competences and, and um, how, like I, w- I want to say also like feeling comfortable with that topic because sexual health is something that you need to feel very comfortable about to have a conversation that don't have any judgment that is inclusive. Um, That is definitely something that is not being taught to teachers. So I think that's why we still have a lot of schools that make um, external sexual health educator come into the classroom just to help facilitate that conversation and hopefully help the teacher starting to have this conversation and taking it from there. Absolutely. And kind of going back on that, because I'm currently in my uh, fourth year of my B.Ed. program and there's no sexual health education or training or facilitating. And I know that that was like a lot of the issues that a lot of older teachers had, too, because it's still something that's not um, properly integrated into just like the teaching system as a whole. But kind of going back to you and getting into this this um, field, was this something that you were always like, did you always have a positive experience with sexual education or was that something you came to learn from mistakes or later in life? Like, how was that for you and how did that help you um, essentially get into the position that you are now? I love this question because <laughs> it's, one of my favorite questions before I even got into um, teaching sexual health or doing my master, one of my favorite questions was to ask people what the experience was with sexual health education in school. And I had the chance to like travel and to meet people from a lot of different places. And it seems like from all over the place, sexual health education experience was pretty bad or inexistent completely. So... I mean, me particularly, like, I think I was lucky because um, my mom 
was very open to have conversation and I learned a lot and I understood that it was something not to be ashamed of and it was like a fun topic of conversation. But I realized very quickly that I was one of the only one who felt quite comfortable with it. So like when I was in school, um, I think I might have gotten like two sexual health education, like if you can call that sexual health education. <laughs> and it was like, it was super awkward. Um, so the teacher, she wasn't a sexual health educator that like I, for sure I remember. I think she was a substitute teacher. Um, she didn't talk much about STI or contraception, um, but she did give us like some information booklet and I've read a lot of these. Um, and she did one um, like talk about like, like the way she was talking about sex, like you could feel like she wanted, like she was very comfortable, but not in a good way. Like she was being like a bit like sexualizing a bit too much. She was talking a lot about her own experience and herself with sex. Um, so that was like the other end of that spectrum, like, which was, <laughs> like strange. And so two things I remember that she said was, um, and that stuck, like really stuck with me. There's actually shamed women who were deceiving men in trying to look prettier than they really were in bed or something. Like you shouldn't try to pretend to be cuter than you are because you're going to, it's going to be really deceiving to men in the morning. Like, um, wait. Like how? Like with push-up bras or yeah, push-up bra makeup, like heels, like like she was talking about experience of a friend who was like really disappointed when he realized that this hot girl was not hot in the morning. And I don't even share what her message was, like saying that to us at like 14 years old. Was um, he hot in the morning? Like that's my I question. <laughs> so it's like, why why was she talking about this? And the second one, oh my god, very strong impression with me. <laughs> was and I have no idea how she get there but um how to have sex in an elevator because it's like and you were something you want to discuss <laughs> how old 14 14 yeah I think like uh yeah great yeah great seven I guess it was um anyways like it was, wait yeah it was, I want to know her do you remember her tips and tricks on how to have sex yeah, in the so elevator how to have sex in an elevator okay. it was about to like block in between two floors I think and have a strong man can carry you against the wall because that's what you want strong men oh my god yeah. I, I have no words I've never heard, <laughs> I've never heard of a story like that oh my god okay but you know there's not like the problem is not only teacher who don't want to talk about it is the one who don't know how to be content appropriate and age appropriate so and I think like I wouldn't have had two like it's obviously problematic, but I think the reason I'm really angry about this situation, it's that it was necessary. Like I know, I know we all know that like sexual health education is necessary, but I know how necessary it was because the following week, my best friend had sex for the first time with someone who was 10 years older than her. So again, like we were 13, 14, right at the time. So that's, he didn't use a condom. I remember correctly like pulled out um so when she told me like my first reaction was to go back to this booklet that she gave us which was like the only good information that we received was like the booklet to understand if she was at risk of pregnancy um and so I think like that same afternoon like I just pretended to my parents that I was going shopping with my friend like downtown so we went downtown 
And then we got to the pharmacy. My friend didn't like never dare to pass the pharmacy door. She didn't want to go. So I got in the pharmacy, asked for plan B for a box of condom. And I'm pretty sure that's when my calling was like was born. (laughs) 14 years old. Just oh my God. Oh God. Okay. Well, I I guess that's probably where a lot of parents especially new parents have this fear that like sex ed is going to be so like vulgar and overt and like totally inappropriate uh because every single program that I've looked at for 14 year olds doesn't have anything to do with having sex in an elevator or Mm -hmm. looking good the next (laughs) morning um but so I'm kind of curious what has the response been from parents in particular maybe some of the parents that are like more apprehensive or even like parents with like very strong religious beliefs so I haven't been confronted to it too much I would say so far like I had some comments back from parents I think what I always try to do is when I plan um, sexual health education classes with a school like I send out like a letter for the teacher to send to the parents like explaining what we're going to talk about like how it's going to be age appropriate for each um, class and I think one issue that I faced recently was um, that and I don't know if it was from parents it was from the kids or from the teacher but the teacher from grade five four five and six I think wanted to have um to give my classes like by separating boys and girls Mm. and I explained to them that I do not want to work like that um I didn't even go like too much details about like you know just having the boxes of boys and girls at that age like might not even make sense but also that we want like everyone to learn about like like everyone's bodies like and how they work um I think like I'm not the only one who's been on TikTok and seen like insane videos of boys who think that you have to put pad on your vulva (laughs) and you're like well you wish they had sex ed and they understood how period worked because that's not how you put a pad and then you look like really stupid saying that out loud Mm -hmm. no I I I really um I agree with that and that's how my sex ed was presented so I went to Catholic school And I got a little bit of like menstruation slash abstinence education, but I was separated from the boys and there was an opt out option. Um, So I think my brother like totally opted out of all sex ed. He's like better now, thank God. But like, I'm pretty sure that like they didn't really encourage anyone to, to do it. Like even the kids that were there, we got like an hour and then that was pretty much it. But no, I, I really, really believe in that too. I think that especially like as kids are growing older and we're talking about sexual pleasure, like in the later years, um, there's this whole understanding that like women are like these mystical creatures and it's so hard for us to have orgasms. And especially women who are having sex with penis owners, that's the biggest orgasm gap is there. So I really think that this is super important. And I, I obviously it's not as relevant in the elementary school context because you're not showing, you know, kids all of the ple- like um, all of their zones and all of their pleasure zones. But I, I think that it, 
it really makes you laugh when you see these like 25 year old men being like, so I was looking for the tampon 3000 at the, sh- the pharmacy. The girlfriend like sends them in and they like go in and they look so dumb because they're like, can I get the tampon 4000? And all the women at the like CVS are like laughing at them because it doesn't exist. <laughs> um, but yeah, but you want to understand like how, how bad you were like, there was definitely pleasure on attending pleasure, but even basic anatomy understand like you know like a person with a vulva is gonna have a, a urethra and a place like an urethra is gonna be solely for urinating urinating and then they're gonna have a vagina and a vagina opening and this, these are two different openings and that's still mind-blowing to a lot of people um because like you never got to like understand exactly how thing works like what a clitoris actually look like and like that is like more than just a clitoral gland. Um, understanding erection, like the other way around, like we talk about erection, about nocturnal emission um, for like the kids in that room that don't know what it is, that don't understand what an erection is, like how it works. Um, a lot of kids that have erection don't understand what's going on. And some of them are really mad about it because like something is happening to their body. They have no control over it. And some of like, that make that can make you mad because you don't understand what your body is doing. Um, so that's also like a very normal reaction, like smaller kids to feel very aggressive towards it because like you don't know what's happening to your body. I would feel upset as well. No, absolutely. And kind of going back to like your in-class experiences, because I'm sure that there are more conversations that you have with younger students that are a little bit more uncomfortable for them, or they may not just have the maturity level to really digest what the information presented to them is so what have the comments been by some of the students and like maybe some of the like class clown students or just the people that are maybe taking sex ed more as a joke than actually something that's going to be like tested and like vital to their lives I know kids don't realize this but sex ed is way more important than the math you learn in grade four so but not everybody sees it like that. So what has it been like being in the classroom and ex- like exposing students to these topics? And like, how has the response been? It really varies from classroom to classroom. Um, I have classroom, if I take grade five, for instance, like amazing. They have a lot of questions. They're really attentive. And like, they seem like they're learning a lot um, and have very relevant questions. And then in the same school, I will have another class where they don't want to look at the screen. So I was showing drawings of a little kid with a vulva and a little kid with a penis and a scrotum. And they would like um, turn around or like cover their eyes or like feel like overly like uncomfortable about it. Um, one of the favorite questions I've gotten lately was when I asked them if they have any question was, what are you doing this? <laughs> Them. oh my like, god what, what is your life like what do you what are you talking to us about this how <laughs> is that your job what is wrong with you <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my god how old were they uh grade five grade five oh my god <laughs> <laughs> they're brutal when they're that age they don't care like about your feelings or anything about your time your energy they just like Oh my God, that's amazing. What was your response? 
I mean, like, I, I don't, I'll tell them, but I think it's like, it's really important to understand how your body works. Like, you know, like in the classroom with the teacher, they certainly have, have looked at um, how the heart works or like how your lungs work or your digestive system even. And yeah, like poo is gross, but it's not like we can talk about it. We need to understand how, how your digestive system works. And this is just this, like another part of your body that you need to understand how it works. And when you go older, like you want to make sure that you understand how your body works and everyone else's body works. But like when I hear this question, I also see a lot of uncomfortable feeling, which always makes me sad that I didn't get to see them sooner than grade five. I'm like, I wish I was there in kindergarten. I wish I was there in grade one to show you these pictures, like these drawings already back then. Um, and see, like, looking at a drawing of a penis and a scrotum and saying penis and scrotum is fine and it's totally okay and is nothing to be ashamed of. But it's, like, what breaks my heart a little bit is, like, the amount of shame and taboo that's already um, mixed with their understanding and the conversation around sexual health. How early do you think their perception and, like, the shame is instilled in children? Uh, in regards to like anatomy and even just like sexual health, like the basics. Well, so funny enough, like the mo- like the moment in our lives as humans that we are the most sexual, like peak sexual time is between the age of two and five. Whoa. So that's like the most sexual you're going to like, you're just obsessed with it. And how your body like and your sexual organs and and how it works. So you're gonna like discover yourself, touch yourself, like understanding how everything works, right? So I think at that age, like if like kids are gonna discover the like different body parts and the sexual organs and what like feels good. So it's gonna be it's not really masturbation, like we call it more um, like auto stimulation. Like they don't get sexual gratification, but they get um, like, if, like, it's just, like, feeling good and, like, and calmer. So if at that time we already shame kids by saying, like, don't touch that, this is gross, cover up, don't be naked, don't, like, this is what you're doing is wrong, or, like, just repeat, repeatedly make them understand that them touching or looking at this part of their body is something to be ashamed and is wrong, that just starts very early. Is there a specific reason as to why humans are the most sexual between two and five is because we're being potty trained. So we're like really focusing on that area or is it just like development? Uh, It's a good question. I think it's development, like looking, like uh, discovering your body. Yeah. You just play with your feet. You play with your penis. You play with a vulva. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I actually didn't know that. That's really interesting. Um, so kind of in doing all of these workshops, what has been like your fondest memory or like something that just like really warmed your heart that happened in the classroom? Um, I had a lot of good memories in the classroom. I also, so obviously this year has been very different. Like I haven't gotten to be in the classroom as much, um, especially now with like younger kids. Before that, I was doing a lot of like high school. Um, I... Last year, we couldn't, like, everything was canceled because of um, COVID and the school closing. So I did a lot of, like, 
videos on TikTok as well and like trying to like show how we could talk about sexual health on social media and TikTok and trying to explain a few things um, on internet and especially on social media where like I would find the most like most of the teens or like people asking questions and and I think usually just making people feel normal or like reassuring them that like how they feel is normal or like what they've experienced is normal um it's just like mostly what they want to hear and what they're looking for and also I'd say that like when I'm in the classroom and I experienced that more with um high school like middle school is I can have the feeling that a workshop didn't go as well because there is like some clowns or like because you feel like they're not really paying attention and they're looking through the window you don't get a lot of um, of them being involved in asking questions during the workshop. And then you give them an evaluation sheets and you let them like write questions or write comments. And you found out that like that was super helpful or they were super happy or like they're really happy to like have found someone to that had finally this conversation with them or like explain to them what was going on. So that's that's always nice. Yeah, they'll never they'll never tell you to your face. It's always on a an anonymous paper, especially high school students. Um, but kind of going back to the elementary school classroom, um, at least in BC, what's the progression of like education starting from kindergarten in regards to um more like the body autonomy stuff? Like what are kids learning at that young of an age and how does it progress to more of the advanced like contraception and STI information that happens in high school? So you gonna start with like in kindergarten, grade one, two, yeah, body parts, good like appropriate and scientific name for your body parts, um, understanding inappropriate and appropriate touches and behavior. Um, where to find information, what to do if, um, you know, if you like basically being sexually assaulted as a kid, like if like someone is touching you in a way they shouldn't be touching you, like how you should respond and what you should do. Um, then we're going to start talking about uh, puberty. So as I said, like how the body changes, menstruation. According to the recommendation from the Ministry of Education, I think conversation around STI starts around grade six or seven. Um, and they make it as well because that about the age at which they can get the HPV vaccine. So you want to be like talking about HPV vaccine because I don't know how it is in other provinces, but I think here you can get the HPV vaccine for free in grade six or seven. Um, so being able to have this conversation about what HPV is um, and understanding why you should be back, like get a vaccine for HPV. Yeah, I think I got mine in I was I got mine in Ontario, I think at grade six or seven, too. So I think it's pretty mm. um, widespread. But that's actually really interesting because nobody told me what I was getting vaccinated for when I did. I just got the vaccine. I was like, okay, there's like two vaccines that you get at that age. And that was one of them I later found out. But no, that's really interesting. And kind of going back to the conversations about body parts in as early as um, kindergarten, what's the for people who don't really understand the importance of providing young people with the right language and vocabulary, how can it essentially prevent or 
I w- prevents not the right word, but assist young people if they are getting sexually harassed or assaulted by like a family member or an adult. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. That's an excellent point. So the the main reason when I speak, especially to like parents and educators that work with um, younger kids or kindergarten, but even like um, before that, is why it's so important to not use funny name for the vulva, the vagina, the anus, the penis, and the scrotum. Like the reason we insist so much is if everyone has the same vocabulary, then you can talk about what's happening to these particular body parts, especially if you're being taken advantage of as a young kid. Um, I had a presentation with educators one, uh, once, and the one person told me that a kid came up to her, and I think they were using like the parents were using the word banana to refer to the penis. And so the kid that kind of like understood, like obviously he knows what a banana is. So he understood that he doesn't have a banana. That doesn't really make sense. Um, so he went to ask the teacher and she was telling me she didn't really know how to answer because obviously he was coming up to her to like have the real answer, but like, what is the name for this? And it is really dangerous to use, especially a word like banana. Um, I think I've read from, Another educator, uh, Sally Manoon, who is also here in British Columbia, talking about like experience of people using like the word toy. It's like, how do you express yourself if something happened? Someone touched my banana. Someone touched my toy. How is an adult that doesn't know that this word toy banana is being used for the genitalia understand that there's actually a problem? Um, so you want them to be empowered. Like it's also empowering for young kids to like know the scientific words. So. What I'm going to do if I go and with younger kids is like we talk about scientific word because we are little scientists. Like we want to know the real word. We are empowered by the fact that we have knowledge about a body and what the real name for body parts are. No, that's amazing. And it's it's something that I know I have younger cousins that are, you know, still babies. And I really want to stress to them because you never want your your kids or your family or anyone to be in a situation like that, but you want them to have autonomy over it at least to like the very least to just have autonomy over their bodies and like understand what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. Um, So I, I really like that because I think it's something that should be integrated more in the classroom and it just isn't because, you know, kids do the silly things of like, Oh, that's a penis. Ha ha ha. Or I had a student once called boot like breasts. Um, titties and he was four and I was just like I I had to I had to like compose myself and I was like those are breasts um I mean titties is this you get the the point across but it's not Mm -hmm. the scientific word so I definitely think giving them the correct vocabulary is very important um but kind of like reflecting on your experience as a sex educator and especially in the elementary school context what would you want people to kind of take away from your work um, or maybe take away from the conversation that we just had. Sorry, excuse me. My phone was in at the same time and it's um, connected. So I didn't get your question. Can you repeat it? That's okay. Um, <laughs> so kind of going back to the elementary school context of things and the importance of education at such an early age, what would you want people who are maybe a little bit 
apprehensive to sex ed or body autonomy that early on, what would you say to them to kind of swing them on the movement or things that are super important that they should maybe take away when they're thinking about retracting their kid out of sex ed or something like that? Yeah. um, So here, I think I usually go, there's two approach that I will have. Like the first one is, again, as I said, like, especially in elementary school, we don't really talk about sex. We talk about body parts, like things they should know to be empowered. And we talk a lot about safety. So like, I'm, I'm really going to insist on like the safety part, especially for elementary um, children. And in the same t- token, like for high school and middle school, it's also about safety, but also about like their right as an individual to like understand how things works um, and to make sure that they protect themselves. I uh, will put forward the aspect that people are not more sexual because they learn about sexual health. Like usually like when they know, they just know how to make the best choice for themselves. Um, there is an idea, especially with like I have conversation I have with parents a lot. Even parents are really open to sexual health education. We always have the idea that the current generation is having sex way earlier than the previous generation. And it's still not the case. Kids here, at least in British Columbia, from the recent studies, are still having sex around 16, which is the same that it was 10 years ago and pretty much the same that it was 20 years ago. Um, so this idea that like, oh, like all the kids are sexually active at 14 is something that's an idea that's very perpetuated by social media a lot. Like we feel like kids and teens are very sexual they are very sexual because they have a lot of like sexual hormones that's oh like overflowing them so they're gonna be acting very sexual they're gonna like feel like they want like oh want to have sex or like acting in sexual ways or talking about sex because that's that's all the hormones that's coming up in this what they want to do and talk about in our school um but actually that's like doesn't turn out to be them being more sexual earlier we just like we have more and more access to social media so like we tend to see it more and more on social media but the hormones and the teens are still pretty much the same I actually really like that point because I know a little bit about this whole like idea that teens are more sexually active than they ever have been and blah, blah, blah. And even me, myself, I'm on TikTok. I see the 12, 13 year olds and they're, they're more put together than I am at 21. So, and they know how to do their makeup and dress a certain way. And they have access to all of those resources to present themselves however they choose. But I think this notion of like, oh, they're doing things more and more. Look at them online. Look at them on TikTok, on YouTube. It's just because the older generation never was able to present themselves like that. Or we didn't have access to like the boomer generation the same way we have, you know, to millennials and Gen Zs. So I really, I really like that that note because I actually never thought about it. But now that I'm thinking about it, technology plays a huge, huge part in it. Um but yeah, I, I guess- mean, like, I think, I think even like if I reflect back, like I didn't grow up with social media, not that it's going to reveal my age. Um, <laughs> but like, I, like, I remember like being, I don't know, like 11, 12, like listening to an album of like pink and like dancing with my friend. Like we just didn't have a camera to film ourselves, but we were dancing the same way and having the same kind of like 
fun. We just like didn't put it up on the internet because there was no way. Yeah, no, absolutely. And even like, I think anybody in there, if they look back to their childhood, there were always those, there was always a group of overt sexual folks. Like there, there's always that, and there's always going to be that. And that doesn't mean that the whole high school population is having sex. It's just like, you know, we play into those little cohorts and stereotypes that you see in movies. There's the popular girls and whatever and whatever. So yeah, it was always happening. I just, it like, the prudishness is just like rubbing off in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's presenting itself obviously differently too, because everyone has access to a camera and a recording system to voice, you know, their educated opinions. So I think that's, that's really interesting. And I didn't really think technology played a huge part in that, but I definitely now think it does. But I think the bonus to technology is that we have all of these sex positive um, and educational resources online. So do you have any like recommendations for young people that are trying to learn more about sex or are interested, but like, don't really know where to go? Yeah, um, as you said, there's more and more like sex positive information out there. And I love it. Um, I spend a lot of time on TikTok, like, debunking a lot of things that I found as well and as much as you're going to find so like such a wealth of great information you're also going to find so many like really bad information <laughs> like I can't count how many pictures like videos I've seen about like how you should put yogurt in your vagina for treating yeast infection <sighs> please don't like it's just like a general thing just don't put food in your vagina like just don't like it's not going to solve anything just go and see your OBGYN it's going to be fine um so like I want to just like say the first thing is like to make sure that when you find information on social media like to make sure that the person is offering references um that you know like they know what they're talking about and when you ask them question and I think just like overly defensive about what they're talking about so that would be a first thing for like anything you see out there just make sure that you're gonna check the risk like check the sources check the person that is talking to you about it um for general information i really um like scarletine which is a online platform as well there's like a ton of information ton of, of article and resources um and so that's like that's pretty good place to find information uh, that's there is also here especially for um, British Columbia and Yukon and I'm sure that like other places in the country must have similar ones we have um, sex sense which is uh, like a helpline so you can just call them it's like pro-choice sex positive confidential service and um, and you can just talk to like a sexual health educator and it's gonna answer your question on the phone that's awesome that's so cool I've never heard of that before yeah okay. it's, it's like really amazing resources as well Okay. And because I know you do a lot of great stuff on TikTok, where can people find your um, information and educational resources? Uh, so like I have a TikTok and Instagram account. So you can find TikTok. It's yes, Tess. And for uh, Instagram is yes, Tess. for sexual health educator. Um, also have all my info on yes, Tess.ca. 
That's awesome. No, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I was really excited to have this conversation with you. Thank you. It always feels really cool and amazing to be able to, to talk about it. So thank you for having me. Oh, no problem. All right. So if you want to find more information about tests, make sure to check out the bio on the Ladies Let's Talk About Sex podcast. We'll also have some of tests resources on our Instagram page. Um, if you want to listen to the Ladies Let's Talk About Sex podcast every Monday, make sure to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, on Apple Music, wherever you listen to your podcasts, and make sure to tune in every Monday for brand new episodes. Thanks for listening. Okay, cool.